0: Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite.
1: Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. Welcome to Schmidt List, where we inspire and educate emerging leaders by bringing you conversations with the best experts and thought contributors in technology and design. Thank you for joining us today. Now let's listen in as your host, President at Foundry, Kurt Schmidt, speaks with this episode's inspiring leader.
2: Todd, how are you? Thanks for joining me.
3: Good morning, Kurt. Thanks for having me.
2: Todd, tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get started in the whole marketing, advertising sort of space? Were you growing up as a young boy thinking, boy, I can't wait to rebrand things that are terribly (laughs) terrible? You're riding your BMX bike around and just thinking about that stuff. Is that how
3: it went? Uh, The dream was just vivid, yes. I I couldn't wait to get into marketing and advertising my entire life. (laughs) No, actually, in reality, my grandfather was an art director in New York City and the printing business. I uh, worked oh, no, was he a madman? Called... He was not a madman because he wasn't in the advertising business, but he was he worked for a company called Fawcett Publications and they did early stage comic books and I was really enamored with him and all that he did. And so I at some point I guess decided that I wanted to be just like him and followed him into the the world of marketing and communications and started my career in the advertising agency world. I worked for four different agencies, two in Chicago and two in Minneapolis, and then eventually moved over to marketing when I joined the client side with Best Buy in 2005.
2: Very cool. And when you were, how did you sort of land into the niche that you're kind of in? Because it is a very broad industry, right? What, what drew you to the idea of rebranding, renaming, and, and those sorts of things. What, what was the uh, enticement there?
3: Well, the, the first kind of big push that was done was when I was at Best Buy, we didn't really have a clear focused positioning strategy for either the Geek Squad brand or the Best Buy brand. Mm. And so we did a ton of work there to really clarify who we were as a brand and, and who we were for in terms of the customers that we were trying to win. But after I left Best Buy, I went to Advanced Auto Parts, and that was the first company that I worked for that was really kind of in trouble and Mm. needed to be turned around. And so I kind of fell into a process of helping organizations really figure out who they are, who they're for, and then ultimately how to win that customer through not just better marketing, but a better customer experience holistically. And it really started with advance and helping that brand get back to positive traffic after many years, actually, of declining sales and traffic. And I really enjoy the process of restoring companies to success. And so that's really kind of how I I got started in that. And then from there, it's been kind of one colossal mess after the other to, to help the organization. To again, get back to to positive performance,
2: makes sense, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's been my career too. one one positive mess after another. so if let's let's jump into our main topic, which is renaming, right? We're the idea of why rename thing, right? so you've got you've got you maybe got a more of a legacy business and it's uh, established. why what is usually the catalyst for something that sweeping of a change? in an organization.
3: Yeah, it's usually some kind of colossal event or decline that has occurred. Really renaming is the last thing that you want to do because invariably you've spent time and invested capital in the brand that you have, and you don't want to throw all that away by effectively starting over. But sometimes your brand gets to a place where it's either so damaged or the company has shifted in terms of what its main focus is from a model that it is necessary to rebrand. But I I would classify it that way, that rebranding really happens when it's absolutely necessary and it's sort of the last step that you you need to take to, to get out of the hole that you might be in.
2: Right, right. Well, let's talk about those first steps. Is it usually... An executive or, or is it, where, where does the idea of this usually come from? Is it something that's more of a groundswell from the marketing team sales team? Or is it usually a CEO that comes in and kicks the door open on a Monday and is like, screw this, Etch-A-Sketch, the whole thing. Like, let's start over. Where, where have you seen the, the, that, that first spark come from?
3: Yeah, in each case, it has come from a leader within the organization that said, we need to do something drastic because mm. the the organization, organization or the name of the organization is either so damaged or so off of who we are and, and what we're trying to accomplish that we, right. we need to make pretty substantial change. Now, in both cases, when I've done rebranding work, I, I've been brought into the organization specifically with that mandate. So I was not there beforehand as part of the workup, to maybe we should think about changing our name. By the time I arrived, that decision had been made mm-hmm. uh, effectively. And I, I stepped in to help them accomplish that.
2: That yeah, makes sense. Okay. Makes sense. So do you, what's the first steps in that? Is it like you see in TV where you get a bunch of people in a room and you have somebody with a clipboard that's asking them, how do you, you know, how do you feel about Blue? Where, 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 what's the first process
3: in this? Do you just go and see what dot coms are available? That, that, that's a great point. (laughs) Oftentimes, checking availability from a legal perspective and then a URL perspective are sort of steps one and two. But in, in the case of the, the work that I've done, really the, the first step was to check with the customer and to really understand the customer's perspective on the existing name for the organization and whether or not that name was helping the organization or hurting it. Now, in the case of Lumber Liquidators, when I joined that organization, that company had moved from its original inception, which was the owner selling leftover lumber from construction sites off the back of his truck to selling really high-quality Vinyl, solid wood, and engineered wood flooring. So the name didn't really describe anything about what the company actually did. Uh, right. And so part of the decision was we need a name that reflects more of who we are and who we do. And the other case was this was a brand that had had some damage done to their reputation because of some things and some mistakes that they had made in sourcing. Product yep. from other countries. It was sort of a, a twofold reason why for changing the name to what what it ultimately became, which was LL Flooring. Makes sense.
2: Is it is it always like you said? Because you mentioned like a catastrophe or some. Is it always in your experience been a negative thing here, or is there been opportunities to say our business has changed or our audience is different? Where where do you find it happens the most? Is it usually a meteor, planet killing event that, that 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 institutes this, or is it is it a change in business, or what have you seen?
3: In my case, it has been the the really negative
2: mm-hmm.
3: occurrence or problem that that can only be solved by changing the name and and moving to something new at yeah. Zenith Education Group. Again, similarly, some pretty significant damage done to the original brand, which was Everest University and college, that really put a negative light on that brand. And the only way they could overcome being associated with the negativity that that brand suggested was to rename and, and start over. Again, you're... When you make that decision to, to make that change, there is a significant amount of investment and capital that you've put into the previous brand that you're effectively throwing away. And that's a hard decision to make. But in many cases, the upside potential of making the change is greater than the downside risk of getting rid of the, the equity that you have in the existing brand.
2: Yeah, well, because I a couple of years ago I had on, Folks from Little and & Company and folks from Bremer Bank who Little helped redo their branding. And it was really interesting to hear because they, you think of just like the logo, right? But you have to think down to obviously the website, but all the way down to deposit slips or <laughs> things like that, or, or they still fax things in the bank. So there's so many considerations. It's so detailed of a thing just to do a, a rebrand, let alone rename a place it it, it can can, it's a huge undertaking so with that one of the things that you know one of the things in when I went to design college one of the big case studies was Federal Express changing to FedEx right Um, and the opportunity that came with that with that change but also if you look at back in the day at the brand book that went along with that You had to build branding that not only worked on packages, but worked on the tails of airplanes or trucks, all the way down to tape, things like that. When you're thinking about this renaming, do you, is one of the first steps to audit everything? How do you, how do you start to know like what once that you pick a name? Sure. But then now, like you mentioned, rebranding. Like, how do you, especially for a company as large as a Best Buy or lumber liquidators or things like that, how do you account for all the different deliverables and pieces for something like that? How, what's that process look like?
3: Yeah, great question. The it, There is typically an audit that will be done in the beginning of a process like this, but it's not an audit for should we or shouldn't we or what name should we adopt based on where it's going to be reflected. Those are simply manifestations of the brand, or at least in my experience, that has really been, uh, again, an audit for where is the new brand going to go and where are all the places that we need to think about bringing that new brand to life. For me, the more important aspect of what the new brand wants to be is really what do you want to stand for? as a brand. Who are you for and who are you trying to win and what do you ultimately want to communicate with that new name? It's actually one of the benefits of renaming is that you can adopt a name that telegraphs to the customer who you are and what you stand for. Sometimes that works out really well. Other times you go with the the, the decision that the board makes and and you, you work through the compromise. But Really, the the manifestation then of the identity and bringing it to life is just that. It's a list of places that you're going to apply the brand. And certainly, you work through very carefully how that brand expression comes to life. And we did that with LL Flooring in terms of what was the outside signage going to look like? What was the inside of the store and the store experience going to look like? What was the website experience and all the tools that we had? online and how were they going to be branded relative to the new brand of LL flooring? So you think through all of those aspects, but again, in our case, we wanted the brand to be a, kind of a, a head nod to who we wanted to to stand for. And so when, in the process that we went through, we actually went through, I don't know, probably hundreds of names to get down to four <laughs> that we ultimately then tested In a methodology called IAT, which is an impressions test that are an implicit association where people are comparing options, A versus B, and they're thinking about their initial impressions from each one. And and you can derive from that sort of positives and negatives. And we went through that process to ultimately get to the brand that we were recommending to the board, which is not the brand that ultimately they uh, were okay moving forward with. They had invested so much over so much time into lumber liquidators. If they didn't feel comfortable moving completely away from that, LL flooring became the solution. There were actually a couple of names that were closer to where we ultimately wanted to land from positioning perspective. But but that's part of the process. The, the board is a, a pretty significant yeah. entity in terms of
2: making the decision
3: to change the name, so as well as what to change it to. And we work through that in a rather collaborative fashion to get to the outcome that we that we ultimately build. This is the hard
2: thing, I think, that people don't realize. And this is an emotional endeavor, especially if, if you're dealing with a founder. It sounds like in your experience, you've had some people that are just like, I don't like it. Well, that's, I don't, that's not good enough. For I, I any more would
3: days. say in marketing, there's nothing more difficult than rebranding because yeah. inevitably half the company is going to hate the right. brand that you select and the other half's going to love it. Mm-hmm. And eventually over time, those that hate it, get used to it. <laughs>
2: right.
3: And there's really, there's really no escaping it. I, I stood in front of the entire leadership group and this i'm talking about all of the people that were on each of our individual campuses as well as the the leadership team for the organization and i said we're going to go through a renaming of the organization because of some things that have happened in our past yep. but i'm going to draw a line right down the middle of the room and this half's going to love what we <laughs> solve it with and this half's going to hate it and that's just the nature of rebranding and you just have to work through that
2: yeah, you do. Like that's. I think that's the hardest thing is when you see the goal and you see the positivity and the outcome that can come from this move, and you and all the data is telling you this is good and this is working, and the customers are giving good feedback. But I can imagine how frustrating it would be to sit in a room and have some VP say, "That's I don't like the sound of that." When it's like, yeah. yeah, how do you how do you bridge? Yes, your opinion's important, but it doesn't matter. <laughs>
3: know. I, yeah. I, yeah, I always go back to the customer and mm-hmm. that's where using qualitative research and quantitative research and having the data and the feedback from customers and being able to share that ah. in the moment, either with the board or with the leadership yeah. team or even one-on-one with people that may be really not liking where you're going. It, it really doesn't matter what the individual within the organization may think. They're not the people you're trying to win over. It's the customer and the prospect that you're trying to win over. And so we we actually worked through an exhaustive process at LL to get to not only the name, but also the identity that we ultimately landed on. That brand started life as a yellow and black sign and expression, which was really harsh for what ultimately became the decision maker in the category, which was female in the relationship, typically, she was making the call on where to buy the flooring and what flooring to buy. And our identity and it's really harsh, yellow and black presentation was really off-putting to her. And so it wasn't until we presented that learning to the board after exhausting a lot of different approaches that were yellow and black, that we were given permission to go off-road and try different colors and different combinations. And we eventually ended up with white and brown as our color palette, which was miles yeah. from where any of us thought yes. we would land.
2: Yeah, the I have lots of stories about those types of interactions because when in the work that we do at Foundry, we build a lot of custom applications and we're constantly reminding a lot of the executive stakeholders, you're not the user. I, I know you have feelings and opinions about the history of this organization, the impact that it makes. But you have to realize the attitude you're bringing here is an emotional response to it, which, you know, I want you to be heard. I want you to feel heard. It's important. But at the end of the day, you're not going to pay me for feeling heard. That's what you pay a therapist for. You're going to pay me because I'm going to get results from this activity that, that we have deemed has as been important. There's, there's so many ways that I've had to learn to, to be diplomatic over the years when early on in my career when I was more naive I was like well why are you why are you being dumb like this this is, this is what the customer said they want why are you just be quiet but I've learned that that you get more you get more bees with honey don't you
3: Todd Yes you do mm-hmm. and that's where collaboration comes in really no. as as you're looking you gotta at you got to bring them different... along
2: in the process right you can't just have this big reveal
3: at the end right Yeah and if there mm-hmm. are solutions that the the team has developed that others may not like, then the solution is to add additional possibilities to the mix. And so as those folks that don't particularly like where you've landed it may have ideas, we absolutely would take those into the mix. And again, we would evaluate them with yep. those that we had selected through our process and kind of vetted them all together. And so again, it's really the customer who's, helping us decide where we need to go at the end of the day.
2: So if you were to give some advice, Todd, to people that are maybe listening to this and they're thinking, okay, we've talked about, about this idea before, or or maybe now that I'm listening to it, I have the idea of maybe this might be a positive thing for us. What would be your advice to first, where do you start just as an individual in in an organization, maybe an executive, where do you start having that conversation? Which what research should you be initially doing before you reach out or hire a person like Todd that's been through this before? What's your initial advice to people?
3: In our case, we did a quantitative study at Lumber Liquidators when I first arrived there. And that study helped us answer questions around how people were reacting to Mm -hmm. the existing name and whether it was an appropriate name for the the process of finding and selecting and purchasing fine hardwood flooring or not. And what we heard clearly through that research was that it was not a good way to describe the business. And so that gave us the, the the backing that we needed to go back to the board and say, we really think we need to make a change here and bringing in other outside perspectives on how people reacted to the Lumber Liquidators brand based on what was going on publicly so there are a number of different inputs that we were able to use and share that all painted the picture that it, it really needed to change mm. into something new. But it, again, it was not a decision that was made lightly. We had mm-hmm. to convince the CEO first and then ultimately convince the board that it was the right thing to do. Because you have to remember, this is a really expensive yeah. step to take as an organization. In our case, right. we had 400 stores. That had to be re-signed and repackaged with a new name once we ultimately rolled this out to the organization, let alone the inside of the store and the outside of the store by packaging and bags and you name it. There's just a ton of things that have to be redone and every single one of them costs money.
0: And so you have
3: to be pretty, pretty well convinced that uh, this is the right direction to go for your customer and to win that customer. Well, you you see
2: that in soft drinks, right? Like Pepsi is just going through a rebrand. And these things are, I don't remember what the last rebrand I saw cost, but like $50 million, $80 million to rebrand Pepsi.
3: Like, that's. that's You think about all the trucks that roll around every market, vending machines, Pepsi. Yeah, exactly. I mean, theirs is huge. Ours wasn't that expensive, but we still had a ton of things that we had to to change. And yeah. again, each one of them costs money. It's not a, it's not a decision that's made quickly or lightly. Right. It's very well studied. And there's a process that you pursue with getting input from customers and prospects that tell you this is the right move to make.
2: Makes sense. Okay, one last question I have for you because I have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to the show, Todd. And so <clears throat> let's say I do start a company and maybe it's still early stages. And you, as when you're starting a company, you go through a lot of pivots and maybe you find that your original sort of idea wasn't exactly what you are providing the most value in. And maybe your name doesn't necessarily reflect that. What's your advice with maybe something like a smaller business where they're trying to determine, okay, well, we've kind of built this reputation with this name, but. You know it's not really reflective of the service we're providing now. What would your advice be to those folks?
3: In terms of a solution or <laughs> how to figure out just what how to, to do, like, or... go down
2: that road, right? And I can imagine myself as a CEO of one of these smaller companies thinking, "Well, geez, we started out as kind of a product place, but now we're more of a consulting place, hmm. or vice versa, right? We've kind of went from the consulting thing to now into the product space. I've seen places where they just are like, okay, we're just going to separate and create two brands, right? Where you're going to, that's going to be over here or that's going to be over here versus renaming. And I guess, I guess what I'm asking Todd is where, what's your advice to those people? Should it be, you know what, just close down the old business? You could keep the name around and focus on the new one. In that scenario, Todd, what first comes to mind to you?
3: Yeah, I think again, talking to customers first about, the the thought of changing the name and explaining to customers why you're doing what you're doing mm. uh, is critically important. You certainly don't want to send a signal to an existing customer base that you've gone from one thing right. to another and now they can't rely on you for what they have because you've changed your name. So both yeah. involving the customer in what you're changing the name to. And then I would say to your point of there's equity in how you've been currently operating, you need to take a look at how are you going to transition from the old brand to the new, mm. uh, and that's where you see a lot of brands will dual brand for a period of time. But in the case of LL Flooring, we introduced the LL Flooring brand and then had formerly lumber liquidators underneath it for yeah. six to twelve months in all of our. Advertising and communication and website. Yeah, I've seen that in
2: products uh, too, where they'll say like, it's this thing, but it's powered
3: by right. Chase Bank or something. Yeah. So you're you're oh, making that visual and verbal connection Hi. often with mm. the existing customer to reassure them that they can still count on you for the things that they're counting on you for. But then you're moving to that more attractive, better solution of a name to attract new customers to the brand. Being very careful in terms of how you're doing that. And I think checking in with customers and prospects as you're going along will also help you determine how long do you need to dual brand. In some cases, it may go quickly. In other cases, it may take a while. I can't remember how long Datsun and Nissan spent from moving from Datsun to Nissan, but it was... A pretty long period of time and yeah. the cars had cars. dual badges on them for an, a number of months, if not a couple of years, before they ultimately dropped the the old Datsun brand and became Nissan straight away. It again is something to to not mess with because you don't want to lose the the equity that you've invested in.
2: Yeah. It's something you want to do with a lot of careful planning. But I appreciate the time, sure. Todd. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with my audience. If I want to get in touch with you, Todd, if I want to know more about the work you do and how you do it, where are you most active? Where's a good place to connect with you?
3: Certainly LinkedIn is the best place to find me these days. So look for me there. Great. Well, thanks so much, Todd. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, Kurt. Appreciate it.
1: We hope you join us for more conversations in the future with leading experts in technology and design, Please contact us at schmidt-list.com and foundrymakes.com for more information. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has
0: anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.